Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me on the Above180.com podcast is Chris Loeschetter. Chris bowled collegiately at Florida State University. He was also a member of Junior Team USA back in 2000 and 2001. He is currently on staff with Motive and Vice Grips. Chris has two PBA titles. Chris, Tim Burke here. Thanks for joining me today on the Above180.com podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. All right. Well, Chris, so you won your second PBA title as part of the PBA Team Challenge. You were part of America Rooster Illusion. So it was yourself, Ronnie Russell, Rhino Page, Marshall Kent, and EJ Tackett. You won that. Talk about how that whole team came together because you guys got some some different uh, different styles and different uh, you know lefty righty combinations. So talk about how you guys came together and ultimately meshed and you know ultimately ended up coming out on top. Well, uh, Ronnie Russell's my roommate out here on tour, um, so that's an easy decision. We always bowl doubles together and anything else. Um, you know, we're best friends, so that was easy. And then we also hang around with the DJ Tackett a lot. Um, the other two guys, Marshall Kent and Rhino, I've known Rhino a very long time, uh, back in the Junior Team USA days, and he's also a good friend. And then uh, Marshall knows EJ real well, and we're also all friendly with him. Um, we all get along really well, and uh, it just kind of meshed. They came up with this idea last year, and we uh, bowled together, and I think we got fourth or fifth last year, and um, we thought we'd give it another try. And it's a nice mixture of a couple guys that have been out here with you know, Ronnie and myself been in here for 10-plus years, and Rhino's close to that, and a couple young guys that are really talented. So for us, it was an easy decision, and uh, we all mesh well together, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, so talk about how you're able to help the, to help the younger guys out, how you and Ronnie and Rhino are able to help keep their emotions in check, because I know Marshall, very passionate guy, EJ as well, and they're very passionate about things. And talk about how you're able to keep all your guys' emotions in check through this tournament. Um, even though those guys are young, they're, 
you know, they come off with as they have a lot of experience. They don't do a lot of the things that most younger guys do, you know, the mental mistakes and, and rushing it and things like that. Um, you know, EJ can get a little fast at times, but that's just his nature. It almost, you know, that's what makes him so great is his, his aggressiveness. And Marshall's just, I can't say enough about his game. He just throws it amazing. And, um, you know, it's just awesome to watch. So I don't really feel like we had to, you know, help check their emotions or anything. Those guys are, uh, they, they both like their experience, like they're veterans. So that wasn't too difficult. Um, you know, most of the time we kept it pretty light and loose. Um, we like to joke around a lot. And I think that's what helped us propel us, propel us to victory was just the fact that uh, we never took things too seriously. We had fun. The only time I think, you know, we're serious when we're on the approach. When we came back, we just enjoyed, piled around, and, and bowled. So talk about that, and I guess talk about how, how you guys were able to work together as a team. You know, I guess, would, would it be fair to say that out of everyone probably – you know, probably EJ is probably has can be the furthest left if he wants to be from you guys. Or how how were you guys able to do that and work together? And then how was Rhino, you know, being the, the lone lefty on the team? How was he able to, you know, bowl as well as he did? Yeah, we, you know, it kind of worked out well. I'm obviously the straightest guy on the team by a long shot. So um, I struggled in the team games trying to hook it with those guys, and it became pretty clear to me that that wasn't going to work. So in the Baker games, I stayed right and. The other guys kind of, you know, were all in different areas. EJ was, you know, throwing a little bit of a weaker ball, so he actually was a little farther right than Ronnie and Marshall. And then Ronnie's a little inside of him, and Marshall was way in there wheeling it uh, most of the time. And, you know, everybody's reaction looked good, and I don't think we really affected each other's lines too much. And Rhino just had a good look and bowled really good the whole time. Um, he didn't have to do too much different, but he just kept making great shots, and, um, you know, he stayed solid the whole time. So... We just all kind of played them a little different. We didn't, you know, we get reads off each other, but we're all unique in our own way. I think I was kind of on my own playing straight, and the other guys worked with each other and, and made it work really well. So, like I said, we're all experienced. We all got good games, so it's easy to read off one another and, and kind of make the moves based off what the other guy's doing. So can't too much be made of that because I know Team Brunswick was the same with Walter Ray playing, you know, really straight and direct and with Sean Rash and Tom Smallwood and the guys playing more inside on the lane. Is that something that the amateur bowlers maybe, you know, think even when you go into the USBC Open Championship, you think you got to have, you know, that team that plays a lane similar and you got to do all this sort of thing where you guys just go out there in these team challenges. You know, we saw it last year even too with, you know, the guys who won. And you just play your own game and it it's not that big of an issue it seems like yeah you know you just it just comes with experience out here i mean i remember my first show i was getting ready to bowl and uh, the ball rep told me you know we're not even gonna have you get lined up until the first ball of the tv show and i thought that was insane and or anything like that you know i was 24 and i thought you had to get lined in right when practice started and then over the years you slowly learn like okay it's all right for me to get lined in with a minute left you know you gain that through bowling out here a lot so I think some amateur bowlers may do that. You know, we've I've tried that before in the past when I bowled team events with some guys that aren't as experienced, and you know they just get a little antsy to get lined in, maybe sooner than you need to, and that's completely understandable because I used to do it as well in my even late twenties. But eventually, you just learn that you got to trust that you'll find it really quickly. And you know, our five guys did that. Um, I don't even know if we broke them down really the right way the first game. We struggled that one. We might have moved in even on ourselves a little too much. So it's not easy to do all the time. But you just have to uh, trust the system. And, you know, other than that, we 
I think we learned from maybe our mistakes after that first game, and we started a little farther right. I think that's why we both Toil and Baker, because we just broke the lanes down a little bit better and made better shots once we saw the lanes the way we wanted to. So talk about your health. That's been a you know something that was a, a concern of folks, and you were just cleared to bowl in you know not even uh, you know a month ago. So talk about how your health is now, and and some of the scares you've had, and how you've been able to overcome that you know through this last uh, year or so. Um, well, to give you the full story, I was um, diagnosed with testicular cancer in December, uh, right before I left for the World Series. So they told me I could go out and bowl. Then when I came back, I had surgery. And we thought everything was clear. We caught it really early. And then in July, we found out that um, it had come back through a PET scan. So I did a couple months of chemotherapy in August and September, which was not a lot of fun. But um, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, excuse me, I uh, caught it um, really early, and we were able to treat it and cure it and without any issues. So I just started bowling again, um, yeah, like I said, about a month ago, early October, and um, – that was really tough. I mean, I'm still not 100%, but I'm definitely competitive. Uh, but it was it was a long road. Uh, you know, when I first went out to bowl, I was huffing and puffing really bad after about 10 shots, which I've never experienced in my life because I've been bowling for 26 years. So it took a while to get back into it, and I'm still trying to get my legs back a little bit and get my body kind of in form, wake up the muscles and get, you know, get them used to getting through every shot and not cutting it off. So it's been a work in process, but um, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm healthy and I think, uh, you know, I felt I was smart about it. I went to the doctor when I felt something was wrong and I can't say enough about that. Um, cause it is scary and you want to pretend that it's not there, but, um, I made sure that I was, I kept on it and they were able to, uh, get me healthy again. Yeah. So uh, talk about that process and how were you able to train for the World Series, you know, for the, the tournament, you know, the, the U.S. Open, you know, which we just talked earlier, you have, a, you know, you have your practice session and such. So how were you able to prepare for everything in Vegas? And is it kind of more the long run? It was kind of, let's, you know, you got to work up that stamina? Or how were you able to, you know, because you trust your game enough that you don't need to per se follow, you know, worry about shots and where to play on this shot or this shot. It's just about getting that stamina back for you? Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I bowled long enough where, um, you know, if I'm not 100%, like I said, right now I'm probably elbowing a lot more shots than I want to. My pace is a little off, but I kind of work my way through it. Um, I just go in with the understanding that I'm not going to make great shots every time. So when I don't, just kind of figure out what's going on and correct the problem. As far as stamina goes, like I said, the first week was real slow. Uh, you know, the second and third weeks got a little better as I got the, the chemo drugs out of my system. I noticed a dramatic improvement, so that made things a lot easier. And then now, again, it's just like getting my legs back. You know, people that if anybody ever wants to say bowling's not a sport, I don't know how they can because, like, you know, just taking a month or two off and then coming back, my legs are just killing me. They're so sore. Um, you know, they're such an important part of the body and bowling. And, um, you know, every day it gets a little bit better out here while I'm in Vegas, but I'm still not right where I want to be. But I'm just kind of trying to be patient, trust the process, and then, you know, also just with, through all of this, I'm just grateful to actually be out here competing whether I could do well or not, it's fun just to be out here with my friends and, and be healthy. So I kind of look at things a little differently now and just try to enjoy the competition. And then if it goes well, great. I was really surprised that we won that team event. It was obviously an awesome uh, surprise. And if not, then just keep plugging and try to get ready for the next tournament. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, the PBA draft took place recently, and there's a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings in that and a lot of um – 
I mean, just a lot of you guys are all competitive out there, which is what makes you the best at, at bowling and the best at your sport. So do you want to address any of that and some of the things that have been, been said on social media as far as what was said before the draft, what was said? I mean, you know, Ronnie's a team captain. Anything that, that you heard or anything um, anything of that? And, and um, just uh, you have any comments on what was, you know, what, what's been out there? Well, sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good bowlers out here. And unfortunately, there's not only 40. There's way more than that. And there's young guys and there's older guys. And, you know, our team had the last pick. And it was a crappy position to be in. I mean, there's 10 names on our list that we want to pick, and we can't pick them all. And you got to make a choice. And we decided to go with a guy that we get, we bowled with last year and Dave Wadka that we get along well with, that we can read each other's ball reactions and mesh well together. And, you know, every other guy that we didn't pick and other teams didn't pick, you know, doesn't mean they're not great bowlers. They're, they're all great bowlers. But, unfortunately, it's limited field. And some of it not only comes down to your skill level, but also how you relate to the other bowlers on your team. I think that's an aspect a lot of people get upset about or maybe don't understand um, when it comes to tournament play as a team. So um, I understand there's a lot of hurt feelings and for a lot of different reasons, and it's unfortunate. But I just hope the people that weren't picked uh, understand how great they are. And hopefully some of the younger guys that weren't picked understand that their chance will come. And even though it's unfortunate this year that they didn't get on a team, that maybe in the next couple years they will. And for the older guys... Um, you know, I get it. They, you only have a limited lifespan in bowling, and they want to be included, and they deserve to be included. But when it comes down to it, unfortunately, there's just not enough people to, to pick. And no matter how you do it, somebody's going to have their feelings hurt, which is unfortunate but, unfortunate, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, would you, would you be in favor of maybe expanding a couple teams, or do you feel that then the, the fields get watered down a little bit? I'd be, I, I, and personally, I'd be in favor of adding another member to each team. Um, that way, if a guy's struggling, you can sit him out. You can have six guys uh, and, and doing it that way. Um, is there room for a couple more teams? Absolutely. So it depends on how they want to do that. But, uh, you know, I think it'd be nice to expend maybe get an extra 15, 20 guys in there. I think you could do that without losing um, a lot of the talent. So, um, you know, whether they do that or not, I'm not sure. But uh, even if you do that, as you well know, whether they do it in college football or anything, somebody's always going to feel left out. It doesn't matter. So that's an unfortunate part of life. And um, I guess we'll have to wait and see if they expand it or not. But I think that'd be a nice option maybe get one more guy on each team. All right. Well, like we mentioned, you just finished up your practice session as we we're taping this on the Thursday before the U.S. Open. Much has been made. It's a very uh, interesting pattern is what I've seen out there from folks. Uh, you've actually bowled on it. So what are your thoughts on the pattern, and, and uh, how do you think it compares to last year's pattern in D Dallas? Um, I think it's pretty close to last year's. Um, you know, they did a good job last year of designing a pattern that will hold up for 24 games, which a lot of people thought was impossible with today's equipment. Um, but I thought they did a great job, and this year seems to be similar where if you try to play the middle of the lane, it's just a little too flat. You're kind of forced right. And I think the whole first block on the fresh, you're just going to have to play right and use straighter angles. And that'll kind of help the pattern progress as the blocks go on. I think it's a really fair pattern. I think it'll be semi-high scoring, but definitely not out of hand. Um, it's They're tricky. And you got to be on your game and make great shots, and you got to make great moves too. So I think it's going to be a good field. I think it'll be an awesome TV show. Um, I think the, the guys that get there will be the, the best bowlers of the week, and they usually results in an epic finish. So 
I'm pretty happy with it, and I didn't really hear any complaints from any other guys either today. Yeah, has there been any kind of talk about in the in the paddock and amongst the bowlers as far as kind of numbers that you're going to see for this? Is it going to be you know say a 205, 210, you know, to make make the cut and such, or any talk of that? Um, no, I don't. You know, some guy, times the guys talk about you know whether they're real easy or real hard. I mean, they're they're kind of in the middle. Um, nobody really gave a number. If I had to throw a number out there, I mean, probably to make the the cashers round. They'll probably take, you know, high two O's, low two teens, and then obviously match play may, maybe higher in the higher two teens, lower two twenties. But, uh, you know, that all depends on how the guys want to play them. You know, they can make them real ugly one day, and if they do that, then it'll affect everybody since they don't re-oil. But, um, you know, I think since the pattern kind of forces you to know one spot to start, I think that'll take some of the confusion away for the guys, and I think it'll make the pattern open up a little bit. So I think I, I expect some good scores, but nothing outrageous. You know, nobody's going to miss an arrow left and strike. It'll, it'll be definitely fair. What are you seeing at South Point now as more, you know, more games are rolled on each of the lanes? I know it seemed to be last year, just by looking at the numbers, that you could see there was a, a lot of, it was lefty dominated. Let's just say it how it was based on things up there. Are, are you mm-hmm. seeing that kind of even out a little bit, or is it still a house that you say just the way it is? I mean, Reno's, people say the same thing, but are you seeing that kind of even out a little bit? That right. Like, um, getting a little fair? I, you know, in the team challenge, lefty's had a good look. Obviously, a lefty won on the um, the cheetah pattern for the extra frame event, but the scores were high overall there. I mean, I guess would I say they're a tad easier in a left? I guess they look like that, but I definitely don't think it's out of the question for a right-hander to win this event. And I think as the, the games get more, uh, sorry, the lanes get more games on them, that'll even out a little. So, while there may be a small discrepancy there, I don't think it's anything that you know will prevent somebody, a right hander from bowling really well, uh, from preventing him from winning. So, I think um, you know they're still pretty consistent. They're really nice lanes. They're new, and like you said, as they break down, um, I think things will balance out a little bit more. All right, final question I have for you, Chris. Your wife was a great bowler in her own right, Central Missouri State, uh, part of the uh, the Marching Mules, as I uh, <laughs> lived, spent mm-hmm. some of my time in Kansas City and in that uh, neck of the woods. What has she been? How is, has she? Or how has she been able to help you with your game, or how have you guys been able to help each other with your games as you've uh, you know you've been together now? Um, she's helped me a lot in the past. We don't really talk about bowling much anymore. Um, it became one of those things, you know. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem husbands and wives mesh well when they try to help each other with bowling. But she has a good eye, and um, you know, with the time she does come out, she can definitely uh, locate some problems if I'm having any issues. And she has a lot of bowling knowledge, so I trust her insight. And um, she hasn't bowled in about a year and a half now. Um, our son was born early; he's a year and a half old, so her priorities have shifted, obviously. But I think she'll get back into it soon. But, um, you know, back in the day, she gave me a really good run for my money a lot. We had some good matches against each other just in practice. And um, there was a couple times she helped me make a show. She helped me make a show in Fountain Valley. I was struggling quite badly, and she fixed a couple issues I had in my swing, told me what she saw, and it worked out. So it's, it was fun being competitive with her, and I hope that she can get back into it sooner than later um, because she was a great bowler, and uh, she always will be. So it, it's a lot of fun. And, folks, I want to remind you, check out BowlingThisMonth.com. Great website. All sorts of bowling information there. Got their ball reviews down the left-hand side. Got featured articles and tips. You can see lots of great stuff from uh, Heather Dierko, one of the uh, contributors here from time to time on Above180.com. Had Heather on, Susie Minshew, another guest, and uh, 
Joe Slowinski. And you know what, Joe, if you're listening, i got to get you back on again. It's been quite a while. But uh, great stuff from all those folks. Check them out. Lots of great stuff. And there's a, all you got to do at the top, folks, check this out. Put in your email address. They're going to get you all the information you need. They are not going to spam you. I trust they will not. I've done the same thing. I've signed up for this. You don't get 15 emails a day. They don't sell your email address or any of that good stuff. All you do is you get great bowling tips, ball reviews, and lots of great information. So check them out again. Once again, bowlingthismonth.com. Bowlingthismonth.com. Check them out. I want to thank you for joining me, Chris, tonight. I uh, appreciate the time and all the best of luck at the U.S. Open. All right, Tim. I appreciate it. Thank you. 